Just a few weeks after high school graduation, as I was preparing to head off to college, my sister Kathy invited me to go to the beach for a swim. I swam out to this raft, athlete that I was, I didn't even touch bottom, hoisted myself up onto it and then took this really stupid dive into what ended up being extremely shallow water. I snapped my head back when I hit bottom and it crunched my fourth cervical vertebrae, severing my spinal cord. There I was lying face down in the water, desperately hoping that my sister Kathy would please notice that I had not surfaced from my dive. Unbeknownst to me, her back was turned to me. She didn't even see me take that dive, but a crab bit her toe. And it so startled her that she quick turned around in the water screamed to me, Johnny, watch out for crabs. And when she did, she saw my blonde hair floating on the surface. I was face down, ready to drown. She came swimming quickly, pulled me up out of the water. And I never, I never was so grateful for fresh air. She saved me, but for what purpose, for what reason? Because now, lying there in a hospital, doctors told me I was going to have to sit down for the rest of my life as a quadriplegic without use of my legs or, or even my hands. My hands don't work. And I remember thinking, God, is this, is this your idea of an answer to a prayer to be drawn closer to you? If it is, you're never gonna be trusted with another one of my prayers again. I mean, I'm a new Christian. How could you have taken me so seriously? I sank into deep depression. All right, that is uh, just a bit of the story of Johnny Erickson Tata told in her own words. Uh, her, her life was made into uh, a movie many years ago. Uh, she was injured, I think, back in 1974. And uh, there was a best-selling autobiography that tells the story. It's still available, I'm just telling you. But we're going to talk with Johnny today. It will be my great joy to have a conversation with her. Uh, she's written a new book. We're going to talk about it, update, and what's happening in her life. And, you know, with Johnny, it's never boring. And I have to tell you, it's never a downer. I don't care what you hear, what the circumstances you just heard. Johnny is not a downer. She is an honest, and when she can be joyful, she's got a great sense of humor uh, she is a brilliant woman. You know, when uh, I was in Washington, uh, she used to come a lot. We worked on the uh, bioethics together. Uh, we, uh, she used to be all over the television, like Larry King Live, ABC World News Tonight, Fox, uh, Fox News, and all of those, all kinds of outlets. Uh, she is so well-read and so brilliant. And so you see that in her work. You see that in her writing. And so you're in for a treat. You're in for a treat. Well, we believe in life here, and we believe life is worth something even if it's not normal. You know, a lot of uh, mothers who find themselves pregnant and uh, they're told often that they have a baby that's not normal or maybe it won't be normal when it's born. Down syndrome certainly falls in this category. Uh, in fact, I think something like 85%, uh, that's the last stat I saw, of Down syndrome children are boarded. Because there, it's a recommendation from their doctors. Well, listen, I can tell you, as a mother of a severely disabled child, I can tell you firsthand that the life of disabled children is absolutely invaluable. Now, you might think, you know, philosophically it's invaluable for God because that's God. But for us as people, humans, as moms and dads, I can tell you it's life-changing 
to raise one of these children. So with that in mind, you know, preborn's in the business of, uh, of, of making that happen, of changing moms' minds about uh, keeping their babies by using these ultrasounds. If you would like to help them, especially after we talk to Johnny today, uh, I hope you have a different perspective on, on what I was just talking about on disability. And um, you can go to preborn.com slash Sandy and make your most generous donation. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. And you know that you can uh, call us at 662-821-2040. You can listen on any podcast platform, and you can find us on social media everywhere, and that's pretty much sums it up. All right, today's a day to just sit back and get a cup of coffee or something and sit back and relax and just drink in the wisdom of a woman who knows what she's talking about, and that's the presence of Jesus on today's edition of Sandy Rios 24-7. From American Family Radio, Sandy Rios. We are not called to be nice. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. I think the most important thing we need to demonstrate to our children is genuineness. That we actually believe what we say we believe. A longtime Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. Seek justice, not social justice, but God's justice, what's right and what's wrong. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association, a pro life radio talk show host. We've got to say this is the line. Life is sacred. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. Let me just say that quadriplegia, 46 years of it, that's a long time. I deal with chronic pain. I, um, I had breast cancer a couple of years ago, and I remember, I remember as my husband was driving me home in the van from chemotherapy one day, we were talking about how suffering is like little splashovers of hell, kind of like waking us up out of our spiritual slumber. And then we we pulled in the driveway and he said, well, then what do you think splashovers of heaven are? Are they those easy, breezy, bright times where everything's going your way, where you have health? And we said, no. Splashovers of heaven are finding Jesus in your splashover of hell. And to find Jesus in your hell is ecstasy beyond compare. And I wouldn't trade it for any amount of walking in this world. All right, that, ladies and gentlemen, is the voice of someone who's familiar to some of you, but new to others of you. Her name is Johnny Erickson Tata. You heard her story a little bit in the opening, uh, but I needed to lay that groundwork because I want you to understand what we're going to talk about today. This is, prob- this is probably not a show for those of you who um, aren't Christians, honestly. Or, or listen, and you may be challenged to want to become that because life's getting hard, isn't it? But Johnny has written so many, many books. She has a new one called The Practice of the Presence of Jesus. It's daily meditations on the nearness of our Savior. I'll say more about that in a second, but Johnny is just a Renaissance woman. I'm not kidding. There's almost, I don't think there's hardly anything she hasn't done. I have her bio in my hands. Of course, I, I know a lot of her life, but this is like 10 pages. And you know how people will, like, uh, beef up their biographies to make them sound more important. There's nothing here. Johnny's actually done all of these things. I've actually had a front row seat to a lot of this because we're the exact same age. And so, uh, Johnny, I'll just give you a little bit of an idea. She is a Christian author. I just mentioned that. 
Uh, she's spoken all over the world, literally in 50 countries, multiple times traveling in her, the, in her wheelchair. It's, it's an amazing thing. She's the founder and CEO of Johnny and Friends, which is a ministry devoted to the care of disabled, uh, the disabled. That's how actually we intersected because my daughter, my first child was severely disabled. But they do camps around the country. They have a real strong ministry to veterans who've been wounded in war. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Johnny is an artist, a Christian artist. She made and recorded many albums, which I used to just absolutely love. We'll talk about that, too. She is an artist with her mouth. She paints beautiful portraits and pictures. In fact, she did the illustrations for this book. Uh, she, I'm running out of uh, things that she's done. She, well, no, she's done all of these things, plus uh, plus she maintains the most beautiful um, transparency in all of it. Never hides anything, and that's been one of the things that has stunned me and made her books so popular. So with that, enough said. Johnny Erickson Tata, thanks for joining me today. Oh, it's so good to be with you again, Sandy. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's my pleasure. All right, how many books have you written? Do you know? Uh, I guess uh, around, I'm going to say, 35, 40 books. Um, many of those books have to do with uh, my walk with Christ, um, God's goodness in our hardest of sufferings. Because as you said at the opener, it's a, it's a difficult world. It's not getting easier. And people are struggling as to how to deal with suffering. So many want to either uh, medicate it, drug it, escape it, divorce it, uh, do everything but live with it. So my book center on that theme, how to get through suffering uh, with faith and with uh, confidence in, in what God's doing in their lives. Well, I mean, you do, you've never made it sound easy either. You never make this sound like something you talk about. You have since the very beginning, since you're, I don't think you wrote the book, Johnny, did you? The original little book that tells the story of your life initially? Well, I, I did the outline and I worked with Joe Musser, who was my co-author. And he, he and I together uh, worked through it because I, I remember a friend once telling me, Johnny, your story is not going to change people's lives. But what will change lives is including God's word in your story. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to make certain that there was a lot of scripture uh, in my story so that people could grab hold of those timeless truths and, and watch God change their lives. We're actually talking about uh, Johnny's first bestselling. It was an autobiography called Johnny, and they made a feature film out of that. That's Some of you weren't born when that happened, but many of us were, had tremendous impact. And um, Johnny, one of the things I started to say, which I want to reaffirm, is your astounding honest, honesty about your own struggles, about your failings, uh, about your doubts and your fears uh, is, is, I think, maybe, maybe one of the most powerful reasons God has used you to reach so many millions of people. Um, and you've done the same thing in this book, The Practice of the Presence of Jesus, um, and before we even get into that, I want to, this is another personal story, but I want to, when my daughter was small and in a wheelchair, and I had full care of her because she was severely disabled, you know, the feeding, the bathing, the lifting, all of that, and I was always a type A, go, 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 just like you were, and it was so hard for me 
to be still and not be able to go anywhere and not to be able to do all the things I wanted to do. That was so hard on me. And I remember sharing that with you. No, actually, I don't think I shared you. What happened was you shared with me your morning routine. And, um, and then you said something about just learning to be held still. I will never forget that. And so I took that on, and it did a tremendous benefit to me as a mother, young mom, trying to cope with that. Well, Johnny, this book um, is co-written with John Sloan, who's a former editor, isn't he, of Tyndale and some other publishing company. He's known you for years, right? Yeah, John and I first met when uh, uh, my the book Johnny was written back in 1974, and uh, that was when he was at Zondervan. Uh, actually, he continued at Sondervan for many years, and um, he is just a fabulous man who uh, has taught me a lot about telling good stories and also including great scriptures, and uh, he's just it, it's a great storyteller, so it was fun to collaborate with him on this book. Well, this is really, you know, and I think when you write devotional books, sometimes people, some people, their eyes might glaze over, but as usual— when you write, the the words just jump off the page, and that's the case with this. So let's start off by, first of all, you. this is really an interesting premise. You go back to this, uh, I don't know if you'd call him a mystic. He was a monk who lived, I believe, in the early 1600s. His name was Brother Lawrence. And the book is kind of premised on you. you're reading his writings. Well, who was he? Well, Brother Lawrence was a Carmelite monk in the 1600s. Uh, he was raised in a peasant family. He fought in the Thirty Years' War in Europe and eventually made his way to uh, a Carmelite monastery, which is where he found Christ. And he was assigned the duty of cleaning pots and pans in the kitchen and scrubbing the kitchen floor, scrub- scrubbing the latrines. And he learned to experience and to invite um, the presence of Christ in his work. And uh, so he wrote letters about this to his friends and how he had um, discovered a a fresh intimacy with his God through the most menial of tasks. Well, his letters were compiled into a book, uh, which was incredibly uh, well-read when I was a teenager. In fact, that's when I first read Brother Lawrence's book, on how to practice the presence of God in your everyday uh, menial ordinary tasks. And I kept that book on my shelf for decades. And then Sandy, when COVID hit and all of us were sequestered away in our homes, I started rereading a lot of those books which were on my shelf. And this of course, Brother Lawrence, uh, his book, I thought, you know, I'm gonna reread this and I did. And I found that once again, my heart resonated with this Carmelite monk from the 1600s because I had something in common with him. I experienced the presence of the Lord Jesus through my everyday tasks, emptying my leg bag, sitting in a wheelchair, charging my wheelchair batteries, dealing with lung infections. I mean, these are the everyday ordinary things I go through. And so in a fresh way, I, just experienced a a much more intimate, sweet communion with Christ as a result of uh, um, just seeing him in my everyday, ordinary 
responsibilities. And so I, I, I put all this in a book called The Practice of the Presence of Jesus and how we experience him uh, in our everyday, ordinary ways. And hopefully it'll, it'll be a good read for friends who are looking for um, an opportunity to walk closer with the God of the Bible. And uh, so I call it The Practice of the Presence of Jesus, and it is just that. We'll be right back with Johnny Erickson Tata. This is Sandy Rios of Sandy Rios 24-7. You know, when you're running 100 miles an hour and then get hit with a health crisis, you have no idea what the future holds. Dean and Kim had been married for over 20 years, and when tragedy struck, their family was devastated. They immediately took Dean to the doctor and sought treatment. Well, Christian Healthcare Ministries was there for them and shared all $85,000 of their eligible medical costs. Dean's life was actually spared, and he's back in action and has peace of mind knowing that his family was not burdened with unbearable medical bills. Surely our discussion with Johnny today reminds all of us that, uh, you know, problems are, if you're not having any medical problems, they can happen in an instant. And you want to make sure that you have proper coverage. Christian Healthcare Ministries has been helping to provide that for Christians for decades. If you want to check out how they do that, because it's not traditional insurance, it's a very unique way of covering, and, and thousands and thousands of people are absolutely loving it. Go to chministries.org slash Sandy. That's chministries.org slash Sandy. Johnny, when did you, uh, I, after your accident and you realized you're just a young girl, a beautiful girl, by the way, you know, riding horses and athletic, and did you sing and do art before your accident? Was that familiar stuff to you? Well, my father was a bit of an artist. He was... Uh... A, a contractor, a flooring contractor by trade, but but his hobby was oil painting. And so when I was a little girl, I would climb up onto the knee of my dad and he'd take his big hand around my little one and together <laughs> we would dab his brushes in the oils. And, and while he held my hand in his, we'd sweep these wonderful colors across his canvas. And and I, I always felt like I was the one painting these paintings. Of course, I wasn't. <laughs> but uh, but I developed a real love for art and an interest mm-hmm. in art. And um, so you're right. I did all the line drawings for uh, the illustrations for this new book, The Practice of the Presence of Jesus. But, but I, I draw and paint holding brushes and uh, pencils and pens between my teeth. And uh, I, I deal with pain now, so I can't. Um, execute large renderings as I once used to, but I still enjoy working in, in, in smaller spaces. And I love my art. For me, it's an expression of, of what I'm learning about my life, about, about God. And uh, yeah, people can look at some of my paintings uh, by visiting our website at johnnyandfriends.org. Johnnyandfriends.org, okay. And find out so many other things too about what you're doing. Uh, there may be people dealing with children with disabilities or dis, uh, being disabled themselves. But it's not just for that. I mean, really, it's much deeper than that. And I think this is something you've tried to communicate. It. Disability is how I learned this from your Congress on the church and, and the disabled or disability. I'll never forget that in Wheaton. That's, I think, when we first met. And I remember the point, the thing that just really struck me, because Sasha was probably maybe... 10 or 11 then, I'm not sure, maybe 8, I'm not 
Sure, but the point was that disability is what people see, but that's not who people are. And I learned that. I remember looking out over that crowd at Wheaton College and Edmund Chapel and seeing people who were deaf, you know, clapping with their hands. And I tell you, I just learned a lot as a mother of a disabled child. And so man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. So he deals with all of us in the same way. Uh, When you had the accident and you were held still, you're very transparent in your book about how hard it was. And um, when did you really, do you think, begin to really feel powerful, constant presence of Jesus in your life? I think when I was forced into a corner spiritually. Um, Sandy, may I, I may have told you this before, but uh, for about a month after I was released from the hospital and rehabilitation, I refused to get up in my wheelchair. I laid in bed all day. I would tell my family to turn out the lights, shut the drapes, close the door, and leave me alone in the dark. And pretty much I was consumed with self-pity in the dark. And then after about four weeks, Sandy, I, 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 just, I just realized I can't live like this. And maybe some of our listeners identify, um, you, you, just, you, you just cannot tolerate one more day of feeling sorry for yourself. You just get sick and tired of feeling sick and tired of yourself <laughs> and your circumstances. And so I remember praying one short prayer. Um, God, if I can't die, I said in the dark, then you've got to show me how to live because I don't know how to live a life of total paralysis in a wheelchair. I'm, I'm an athlete on the inside. I'm active. I'm on the go. I can't do this. And I think with that short prayer, uh, you know, you give God an inch and he'll take a mile. And <laughs> the Holy Spirit just ran with it. And um, I began to feel the faint flickers of hope in my heart. That gave me uh, interest in God's word. Okay, I'm going to delve deeper into this word, the Bible, and see what else God has to say to me. And I, I came across one verse, which to this day still helps me so much. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 in the New Testament, it says, Though we are hard-pressed on all sides, we will not be crushed. And that's a promise from God's word. And even when our circumstances feel overwhelming and we we sense the weight, the gravity of our hardships. We can have confidence that God promises that if we put but, but trust in him, we may feel hard-pressed on all sides, but we will not be crushed. Um, what is it, Isaiah uh, chapter 43, God says, when you go through deep waters, I'll be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. Um, and, then, and then elsewhere in Isaiah, in the Old Testament, it says, even to your old age. I'm he who sustains you. I made you. I'll carry you. Uh, I'll rescue you. And those are powerful words for anyone who's coming up out of self-pity. So I don't know, Sandy, maybe there are some friends tuning in right today who are feeling overwhelmed. And, and uh, those brief little Bible verses might might be encouraging. Well, you know, I think, um, let me ask you some, I, I know the answer, I would think, but still, you, we hear these verses People have other verses that fit their particular circumstances. 
And intellectually, as Christians, genuine believers, we believe those things are true, but we haven't experienced them. Have you really, has that God really done that for you? Has he really been there? Has he really been there with you through the fire? Have you, can you really feel his presence, Johnny? Oh, my goodness, Sandy. Yes is the short answer, but let me explain. Um, I, as I just shared, I deal with pain. And so it means that many nights I cannot sleep. And there was a time when I used to lie awake in bed. And you have to remember, I'm paralyzed. I can't move. And yet I'm in this uh, neuropathic pain, this cycle of pain that is just burning and knifing and stabbing. And I I would be so anxious and, and think to myself, I hate this. I can't stand my life. I don't want this, which, of course, only makes pain worse because anxiety and fear only exacerbates your bad situation. And so I, I decided to start taking God at his word. Okay, is he going to be with me in the middle of this? Well, I'm going to look for him. And I started breathing and talking to my pain and saying, pain, you will not overwhelm me. You will not discourage me. The Bible promises that though I be hard pressed with this, this painful situation, I'll not be crushed. And I'm going to meet Jesus in the middle of this pain. And I would take a deep breath. I'd calm my heart. I'd enter into my pain as though I were entering into the fiery furnace of Nebuchadnezzar in the Old Testament, <laughs> uh, where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were. And I, I entered that fiery pain and I saw Jesus there waiting for me. And Sandy, it was as though he had gone ahead of me and transformed that place of pain into a place of encounter with him, the one who really understood pain when he was crucified for us. And I, I'd find him there and all of a sudden, I would breathe easier, I'd breathe deeper, I was able to supersede my pain, go through it without it crushing me. And that sense of sweetness and intimacy with finding Christ in the middle of my hell, as your program opened up with, just transforms my heart. These kinds of things happen all the time to me in this wheelchair. And every time they occur, I get closer to Christ. I feel his power in my weakness more. And I find my life in this wheelchair far more satisfying than anything I could have experienced on my feet. I really would be, I'd really rather be in this wheelchair than, than on my feet walking without him. And I, I guess that's because there are more important things in life than walking. There are more important things in life than having use of your hands. And that is discovering the sweetness, the joy, the peace, the power, the presence, the, the hope of um, finding Christ in your hardships. You know, I can attest to that, Johnny, too. My sufferings yes, have can. been, they've paled by comparison to yours. I've been astonished at what God has allowed to come your way because it comes in waves, all of these things, not just, I mean, everybody can probably talk about an, a time in their life when there was a loss or suffering, whether it's a child or a husband that dies and you're a widow or, you know, you lose a job or you go through fighting, whatever. Everybody has a story, pretty much a story of suffering. But I do think that we just really, because we're not used to any of it, you know, in the Western world, it's possible to live your life with hardly any suffering. So one thing, 
like the loss of one child or like the disability of one child. Like sounds seems like a mountain because we haven't lost six other children or been through other multiple things. And so I guess my next question is, Johnny, do you think it's possible for people to really feel the powerful presence of Jesus if they have not suffered in, in ways similar? Is it possible? Well, suffering is really rather relative, isn't it, Sandy? I mean, you described some pretty awful things that people might go through. I mean, I broke my neck, but somebody else could break their arm, or maybe they are experiencing a broken heart or a broken home. And these are all ways, that they're, they're, they're all sorts of ways we can turn that affliction, no matter how minimal it is or how overwhelming it appears to whatever degree you are experiencing hardship it could be small it could be great you can turn that hardship into a platform uh, from which you reach out to god and say this is painful this is over this is hard my, my broken arm is really hurt help me god and 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 that is a way of encountering um the god of the universe so we have to learn to to see our afflictions, no matter whether they are small or great, as places to turn our disappointment Godward rather than inward. And when we do, yes, I think it's possible to experience Christ in no matter what hardships you face, whether they are a, a broken fingernail that uh, is eating into your cuticle and it really hurts, or, or <laughs> somebody like me, a, a, a broken neck. Yeah. Just take that hardship, whatever uh, whatever degree you might be experiencing it, and take it to God rather than become complaining, grumbling, anxious, disappointed. Um, you know, there, there's there, we can experience Christ in so many ways because we live in a broken world, right? And brokenness is all around us. Absolutely. I have a, a Jewish person in my life who is experiencing a ton of fear right now because of what's happening in the world. And, you know, the sufferings of the Jews go back for centuries, yes, as we both yes. know. And so it's a, it, and there's so many things in the news every day to bring, bring such fear. I, I, you know, in my times in China, you know, with persecuted Christians, Johnny, I've seen the same thing we're describing only differently. Uh, initial fear and denial uh, and trying to escape the pain of what was coming. And then I've, heard, I've had Chinese friends tell me about once they accepted uh, the, the reality of persecution, they felt free. They felt God's presence in powerful ways. And they would say to me, don't, ever, don't go back to the States and ask that they not uh, come, come after Christians. Don't do that, because we're seeing God's power work in marvelous ways. I'll never forget that. It's an irony, Absolutely. isn't it? It is. In fact, uh, your story reminds uh, me of a, of, a, of a friend, someone whose story I read, um, she and her Iranian husband, they were Iranian, uh, had come to the United States of uh, believers in the Lord Jesus. And after a year of living here in the state, uh, the wife, Iranian, said to her husband, please let us go home. Let us go back to Iran. I'm falling asleep here in America. Oh. And I thought, what an interesting way to put it. <laughs> Satan's lullaby. Yeah. Uh, the devilish lullaby was lulling her to sleep amidst all the comforts and conveniences of first world living. And, and uh, 
She wanted to go back where there was persecution and her faith was awake and alive. And, and uh, she just had her sensibilities and her spiritual antennae up always. Uh, but here in America, um, comforts and conveniences have, have softened the sound of the Holy Spirit trying to talk to us. We just mm -hmm. don't hear him as, as vividly as perhaps those Chinese Christians you described or my uh, friend and her husband from Iran, right? Yes, and because of that experience for me, which was secondhand, I, I try to encourage Christians now to recognize that the harder it gets, and when we actually go full-blown into persecution, we're going to feel so much of God's presence, we won't want to go back. But I want to give people, let's go back to the book. Johnny Erickson Tata is my guest. And the book is called The Practice of the Presence of Jesus, Daily Meditations on the Nearness of Our Savior. I just want to give people a taste of this, Johnny. Unless you could, you want to read one of these to me? Or do you, I, I, would you want to read? Do you feel like doing that? Well, you... you you have the book in front of you, Sandy. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> All right, okay. Well, I just randomly chose this one. You give a quote from Brother Lawrence, and then you have your thoughts about what he says. This one is run to Jesus. And Brother Lawrence says, Ah, knew we but the want we have of the grace and assistance of God. We should never lose sight of him. No, not for a moment. And then you say, Sometimes I feel like crying. Oh, Jesus, save me. The world, the flesh, and the devil are after me, looking to eat my soul alive. Now, you may think, what a ridiculous overstatement. Lighten up, Johnny, and cut yourself some slack. I, I don't buy it. I have seen where a click and a scroll will take me, where a song and an old playlist will lead me, or how a little one-upmanship will ruin me. I have witnessed my soul at its worst, comparing and competing and stuffing itself with the dull offerings of this world. Jesus paid too great a price for me to squander my blood-bought soul on the very things that cut him to pieces on his cross. So I stick to 1 Peter 4, 1-2. through 2. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves with the same resolve, because anyone who has suffered in his body is done with sin. Consequently, he does not live out his remaining time on earth for human passions, but for the will of God. There's more to that, but that is the point that you made a few minutes ago, and it's the point I hear you making all the time, That, and even in the opening clip I played where you and uh, Ken were talking about the little splashover of hell, uh, the splashover of heaven being finding Jesus in your splashover of hell. I mean, it really is the, it's just amazing how God turns things, and it's not the way we see it as humans, is it? No, it isn't. And uh, I think perhaps our time to get today on the program has helped people put up their spiritual antennae and has quickened their uh, souls to be uh, resonating with things that are true and, and not listen to the lies of this world or the lies of the evil one who, uh, just like I shared a moment ago about my Iranian friends, who uh, Satan will try to lull to sleep with the comforts and conveniences here in America. Um, we need to keep our spiritual antennae up, especially in these dark, difficult times. Sandy, my husband and I were just reading um, in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, chapter 24, about um, the, the coming of the end of the age. And 
one of the things Jesus said was, wickedness shall be on the increase and the love of many uh, for spiritual things will grow cold. Let's not let that be us. Um, I know I'm not talking only to you, Sandy, but to our friends tuning in. Let, let's not let that be us. Let's not be lulled to sleep. Let's not let our hearts grow cold. Let's be aware that we can be salt and light in this wicked world. And we can be agents of change. I know that you call for this all the time, Sandy, on your program. And uh, these are days to live courageously, to live valiantly, to live bravely, and to not succumb to discouragement and disappointment and complaining when hardships uh, press in, because these are the hardships that force us to put up those spiritual antennae even higher, right? And to get in step with the example of Christ himself and move forward to life and make a difference in this world. Oh, and that's exactly what you've done, Johnny. You're an inspiration. I know you probably get tired of hearing that because I know how humble you are, but it's true. And uh, I'm, let me just say to all of you listening, if Johnny can uh, live without complaining, <laughs> you think we can manage that too? And that's her challenge. This book would be a great tool right now as we see the headlines and we watch our world falling apart, whether it's here in the States or abroad, the practice of the presence of Jesus. Because after all, this is where we're going. And uh, when we see him now, this is just a taste of his glory, really. It's the Daily Meditations on the Nearness of Our Savior. It's written by Johnny Erickson Tata along with John Sloan. And um, Johnny... It's always a pleasure to talk to you. God bless you, my dear friend. Oh, so, so grateful to have this chance to speak to you and, of course, your, your listeners. What a, what, a, what a courageous, brave, and valiant woman you are, Sandy, in uh, standing for life in this wicked world and encouraging people to make a difference in it. One last thing. Thank you, Johnny. Johnnyandfriends.org. Johnnyandfriends.org to find out all about the ministries that they have and uh, all the resources because they are abundanza, as they say. Johnnyandfriends.org. Johnny, thank you so much. This is Sandy Rios on Sandy Rios 24-7. I remember there were wonderful Christian friends who came to the hospital and they encouraged me. And one Bible verse they shared was from Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11, where God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans not to harm you, but to help you, plans to prosper you and to give you a hopeful future. God, you, you mean you plan not to harm me? Well, what do you call quadriplegia, huh? What's that all about? As I read that verse and the context around it, I realized something, that when God said that, he was saying it to his children who were being dragged away into captivity by, by the Babylonians. They were going to exile. They were going into slavery. They had decades in front of them of hard, awful suffering. And I began to see that God's plans for a hopeful future for me was not necessarily jumping up, dancing, kicking, doing aerobics, running, walking, getting back use of my arms and my legs. No. God's plans for me go far deeper, a deeper healing a precious healing of the soul. Because as I was pushed into the arms of God every morning, and that's the truth, even to this day, don't be thinking I'm an expert at quadriplegia, but as it was then in the hospital and as it is today, every morning I wake up saying, Jesus, I can't do this thing called life. 
please help me. Please show up. Give me your smile. Give me your strength because I can't make it through the day. And because I go to God with that earnest dependency and, and requirement of His grace every single day, I take that back. No, every single moment I experience the sweetest, most precious, most intimate union with Jesus Christ. So in Jeremiah 29, when God says He won't harm us, doesn't mean the body, doesn't mean our circumstances. He's not going to do anything to harm our soul. Yes, our body may get harmed, but it will somehow serve to enrich our soul. Well, that's uh, just a little bit more from Johnny Erickson Tata, who is the author of Practice the Presence of Jesus. That's what we were just talking about with her. And I just wanted to give you, have you have another taste of what comes out of her when she speaks. It just comes out and she doesn't have to write and think about what to write. This just is overflows from the inside of her. It's a different way of looking at life, isn't it? And I think that's probably what preborn is trying to present to mothers who are pregnant and it's inconvenient or it's sad or they're worried or they're frightened. A different perspective, God's perspective, is that life is sacred and that that baby, however convenient, inconvenient, uh, can change your life and you can see different things, and you can look at, life, look at life in a different way. If you would like to help preborn do that, give people, give moms, and even the dads involved, and probably eventually the babies, if they keep them and they raise them, understanding who Jesus is, it turns the whole world upside down. Go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy, and make your most generous donation quite the show today, isn't it? I'm going to bring Bruce in and just, uh, we'll just have a few closing words before we say goodbye today. And we also have a special song. It's a song that Johnny recorded that we're going to play at the end. So don't go away. You know that you can call us anytime at 662-821-2040. You can send us an email at sandy at net. You can listen to the podcast on Apple or Spotify or Amazon or at our home base, which is net. You can find out information from the program, links to websites we give out and other kinds of things, articles, at uh, our Facebook page, Sandy Reels 24-7. But we're also on YouTube and Twitter and, you know, the drill. So we try to be available to you as best we can. Uh, I've asked Bruce to join me because, uh, because I just like it. Bruce is my husband, former FBI agent. And, Bruce, you met Johnny and her husband, Ken, with me, right? In Ca- I think it was in, was it, Cal- where were we? California? Yeah, we were at a, a a like a convention, and I had heard Sandy talk about Johnny um, and her respect for her, and I had read read up on her, and you know, you you kind of think you understand who a person will be when you meet them, but then you actually meet them, and you are just blown away. Because I will say, I was blown away when I met Johnny and her husband Ken, and the thing is. When you meet someone with the severe disabilities that she has, you know, you can go a couple of different ways. You can feel ashamed that you've, you know, like I complain about having a headache or my arm hurts or whatever, and then you see this young lady, what she's dealing with. But Johnny would not have you feel ashamed. She would not want you to be that way. She would want you to be the other that she talked about today where you turn it around and you embrace whatever it is that you're trying to deal with 
and you look to God, you look to Jesus to help you to understand your problem. And like she said, our life is not about just having a smooth path. You know, people, we tend to think of success as they've, they've never stumbled, they've never had a bad thing happen to them. They must be, you know, they must successful. be... Successful. Yeah, they must be successful. <laughs> and it's actually quite the, quite the opposite. What she says about meeting, meeting Jesus in the middle of your pain is exactly what she does. Uh, she, she reminds me of my mom in a way. My mom was in a nursing home for 10 years, had all kinds of severe physical disabilities. Luckily, her mind was, was still good. But you know, she never complained in 10 years of being in there. And when I would leave her, I would feel better. Like she made me feel better. I wasn't there making her feel better. She was making me feel better. And that's what Johnny is. Yeah, it's totally. And also, uh, you know, can you imagine, Bruce, the impact that she has on veterans who've lost limbs or, oh. you know, oh. can't walk anymore? I mean, they have a really strong ministry to them. It's just amazing. And I want to once again say, go to johnnyandfriends.org, and you can find out all about what it is they do. Well, I want to close today's show with uh, Johnny. We didn't feature, we didn't talk about her singing very much. But uh, back in 1982, she recorded... She's recorded a lot of things. This is not the last time she's recorded. But this particular song was one that she recorded, uh, and she sets it up. You can hear her voice. She's just young. young. Well, like I said, we're the same age, so uh, I remember I met her when I, we were about this age. So this song uh, is about how she really feels, about her condition. And I want you to hear it, because I want us to go out together today uh, on the show just really feeling the presence of God. So let's just see what Johnny had to say back in 1982. That was a long time ago. Let's listen. I learned some time back that God's purpose in redeeming us is not necessarily to make our lives happy or healthy or even free from trouble. God's purpose in drawing us to himself is to make us more like Jesus. And that is hope. Well, the songs on this album are about that hope. Uh, the hope of heaven, His grace, the promise of His Spirit. And this hope is for you. May He lift you up on His spirit wings. Your mouth. 
This is the voice of Johnny Erickson Tata. The spirit wings, you lift me up above all earthbound things. Sandy Rios on Sandy Rios. 24-7. 